Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Well, good morning to you, baseball people. What's going on? It is inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score with two first-place teams in town. The White Sox in a three-way tie for first now in the American League Central after walking it off last night. And the Cubs scuffling but maintaining a first-place position in the National League Central. Bruce Levine is off this week, and for him is Layla Rahimi, who joins us on 670 The Score. What's up, Layla? Good morning, and welcome to a two-team first-place town. Good morning to you, Matt, and how good does it feel to say that? I love being able to flip and watch two games at the same time yesterday, knowing that things were going to be good when we talked about it this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been looking forward to this year um, for so long in the offseason and then during the shutdown, just thinking, you know, all right, both these teams should be really interesting. Sox on the way up, Cubs on the way down, but trying to hold on and keep that window alive. And here we are, both of them, more than 96% chances to make the playoffs. Legit crosstown World Series window year number one is right here. And that would be That'd be oddly fitting if there's no fans and it's in Arlington, Texas, really, Um, (laughs) for 2020. Exactly. But at least we know the White Sox have had some good history when it comes to a World Series in Texas. Uh, This is true. Maybe we don't have... We have some pretty good people to talk about that today on the show with Richard Justice and also Jim Deshays, speaking yeah. of a Houston connection. Uh, absolutely. But w- we've got a lot to talk about. Jim Deshays, yes, coming up at 940, talking Cubs with us. Richard Justice, as Layla mentioned, from MLB.com um, at about 1020 to talk the trade deadline. And then it's really easy to book guests in radio, folks. <laughs> um, just tweet just tweet that you're going to be on the radio 
wait for Boog Shambi to tweet at you and say, can I come on? And then direct message him and then book him for 1040. That's how easy it is these days. I don't even know why the baseball book gods are smiling on us, but the guest booking baseball gods are definitely smiling on us today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, we will will talk plenty of Cubs and the fact that they went uh, one for 24 between Kyle Schwarber's first inning home run and then the ninth inning when they exploded for some more runs. And that one hit was an Ian Happ single, which was immediately erased by an Anthony Rizzo double play in the eighth. They are, uh, they're, they're a, an interesting team to break down offensively. And, and we will do so as they break down offensively from game to game. So we will talk about them. But we have to talk about one of the most exciting teams in baseball. And they continue to be the Chicago White Sox. And last night, uh, Leila, a brutal moment for Yasmani Grandal in, in the top of the ninth. Um, and then he walks it off in the bottom of the ninth. And it's, it's the kind of game, you're so used to seeing that team lose those kind of games. Let's, in case people went to bed or in case they were otherwise involved, let's let them kind of relive some of those moments. Here's the top of the ninth. Sox up by one run. And uh, there's a man on first. And it's Mikel Franco with a drive into the gap in left center, and then chaos ensues. Yeah. Yasmani in the air, right field, way oh. back, and bring him home. Good night, guaranteed right field. Grandal walks it off, and it's 6-5. The Sox are in first place. Well, that's the walk-off from Yasmani Grandel. Jordan Maley, thank you, buddy. Go ahead and please play what happened in the top of the ninth, which was just absolutely crazy. And On 1-0 from Alex. That one hog, and Franco swats it to left center. Robert finds it in the alleyway. Franco takes a big turnaround first, and now he's caught up in a rundown. Got to watch the runner at third at the same time. Tag at second base is not there. Safe the call. Throw comes home and gets between the legs of Grandal, and the tying run scores. Throw down to third is not in time, and the Royals have tied the game on an absolute carnival in the ninth. I hadn't, I hadn't heard Jason call it a carnival, but that's perfect. That, that's really, really ugly. Uh, you know, Grandal is thinking that they need to um, review the play at second as Jose Abreu ends up on the ground. He was on the ground a lot last night, actually, <laughs> flopping around like a haddock on a dock was Jose Abreu. But it's, it's um, you know, you can't be looking into the dugout when the play is not dead just yet. Well, and also you could argue that Colome should have also been there to cover home, but Abreu makes the heads up play. And I don't know about you, but when I watched it, the Yakety Sack song came to mind. It was uh-huh. a very Benny Hill theme. Yeah. And I, I tweeted in frustration last night that that was a very 2018, 2019 White Sox Royals type of feel to have yeah. the fielding errors the way they were. It was scored E3 by Abreu, which is kind of cruel. When you think about the fact that Abreu was doing his best just to cover home because he thought Bubba Starling was headed there anyway. But the ball goes all the way to the backstop. And I was yelling at the TV last night, four-hour Sox game. And that that really put the uh, cherry on top. But as we heard earlier, Yasmani Grandal totally redeems himself. 
Yeah, he walks it off. And he, he said after the game that he was looking in that at bat, Layla, to, to give it a shot once, to take one big swing at some point in the at bat and give himself a chance to win the game. And then if that didn't work out, he was going to try to grind away and get on base, maybe take a walk um, and get on for Jose Abreu, who's one of the hottest hitters in baseball. But that one big swing worked out very well. And then and then I know you enjoyed this. This is Yasmani Grandal after the game in the uh, the walk-off interview um, with Jason Benetti and Steve Stone talking about that home run and talking about the White Sox picking up this win. I was trying to figure out whether we were calling time from the dugout to look at the replay. As I'm looking in, I look back at Laz, and then all of a sudden I hear a hey. And when I look back over, the ball is underneath my, my legs. I mean, I... I saw the runner at third. He wasn't going anywhere. Um, from there on, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. You know, and it's just something to learn from. Never get your back to the play, even even uh, you know, after you think it's done. So Grandal uh, talking about that play, and he, he went on to say that this is the kind of game that they would lose last year, Layla, the kind of game that they would, uh, they would lose last year or that other teams would. And he wasn't here, obviously, but he's brought in He's brought in to bring that that sense of veteran calm when it comes to how to deal with at bats, how to deal with losing, and how to deal with weirdness that happens in the middle of a game. Well, yeah, and what I found interesting was he definitely had a defined approach, and this is where that veteran pedigree really comes into play because he's faced Ian Kennedy in a different manner in San Diego. He caught for him, so he knew exactly what Kennedy was going to throw. Now, is this the Ian Kennedy that we all saw, you know, 2012, 13, 14? No, but that experience still pays off in that moment. And also, he mentioned how this team is learning how to win and the, pro- the progression he's seen starting at the beginning of the season, even to now. And it's a real shame in so many ways, of course, that this is a shortened season. But to see this improvement and this cohesion from the White Sox really come together the way it has and just shortening a slump. Grandal's a veteran. You see, he doesn't let the next play mess with him at all. He's up in the ninth inning, and what does he do? Gets himself back together immediately after that, doesn't let one play beat him twice, and then he walks it off in, in a very dramatic big swing for the White Sox. They lead the American League in home runs at 62, and Matt Spiegel with the Minnesota Twins hanging out and making the offseason acquisitions they did, especially with Josh Donaldson, I did not <laughs> think I would be saying that to you on August 29th, and here we are. Yeah, it, it's, it, it really is pretty amazing. I, You know, the overall vibe and feel of this team, I, I get struck by the interpersonal moments, Layla. That's the stuff that, that you know, l- lets me know, especially when a team is going good, there's just... There's just nothing in sports like a hot baseball team that just believes they're going to find a way to win. Whether it was a, a moment at, at Wrigley during that series when uh, Tim Anderson is just kind of holding court and Eloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu are laughing at whatever Tim Anderson is saying because he's the Energizer Bunner baby and there's pasta parties at his house and, and he's, just, <laughs> he's just an enjoyable human. But there's that moment last night. You see the crazy play where Abreu drove for the Adalberto Mondesi pop-up bunt in the sixth, and like four different people and essentially go to the ground as they're all diving for it. And Abreu um, grabs the ball and throws it to Anderson to get a force out on the play because Alex Gordon was kind of hung up. 
And Anderson points to Abreu and says, nice play. But then he says something else and they just start dying. They just laugh like crazy because they know they looked ridiculous. Abreu knows he looked absurd, but he still got it done. He still got the out. It's men playing a game, knowing that they're pretty good. Knowing that they're pretty good. And even if they look silly, they might get an out or they might go ahead and win the game. And even if they don't win it today, maybe they'll win tomorrow. It's like, it's enviable to have... To feel that way, and when you are a fan of a team that feels that way, it's just really, really fun, and that's what the White Sox are right now. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's also just the winning team stuff that you see happen on the field, where we talk about the game slowing down in such a way where players are able to make jokes while they're catching a ball for a pop out, for example. Elvis yeah. Andrews and Adrian Beltre come to mind, and how they would always laugh at each other while they're making the out. But that is the kind of stuff you see where the game slows down and you have that sense of humor and that confidence that you're going to make the right plays. And two outs ended up succeeding those in that inning. So that way they could turn it over to the bottom of the sixth. And that's what you're talking about, Speaks. It's that confidence and that sense of humor and the game slowing down enough to where you can really have some fun on each and every play. Sox turn a couple of important defensive plays as well that I think were a bit underrated. I've been watching their infield this year and how it's been improving, especially when you have a guy like Dallas Keuchel, a ground ball pitcher hitting his spots. It makes yep. things a lot easier. But that's been something that I've been watching for too on this team. And that to me is a real measure of their progress. And when you see those infield outs anytime, I'm a fan, I'm happy to see them and I'm glad that they can have some fun with them too. Yeah, there were a few. Um, it, uh, Mancata uh, coming in to charge a ball. Um, a few different things. Uh, how about Renato Lopez? He he kind of fell asleep on a bunt early on by Alex Gordon, but later there was a dribbler from, from Mondesi who's the fastest guy on the Royals. And Renato Lopez busted his hump, came in, made a quick turn, and got him to end a big threat in the third. I was, you know, especially for Lopez who needs to maintain that focus, it can get away from him sometimes. I thought that was good. I think I think that was a step forward for Renato Lopez last night overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was in each and every way. I wanted to see what he did after the Crosstown series, and he increased his innings pitched, which was good to see. He He's still relying a lot on the fastball and the slider. I don't know about you, but I would like to see him mix in that change up a little bit more because it makes his fastball look that much faster. But... Overall, I think it was a step in the right direction for Lopez. And he's talked about his need to focus. He's been very honest about that. So to see it play out the way it did on the field last night, I think, was a good sign. I don't know about you, but I like Speaks the way he, when he does mix all those three pitches, he can be Mm -hmm. super effective. But that slider, I think, helps his fastball. But that fastball last night was touching 96. So I was definitely okay with that because before he was injured, we saw his fastball down several miles an hour. I think it was 94, 92. So that was an encouraging sign. Yeah, when he first got hurt and uh, you saw the velocity drop by like three or four miles an hour, you're like, oh, oh, oh what's going on? You were worried it was something uh, much, much bigger than it ended up being. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. She's Layla Rahimi in for Bruce Levine. And uh, we're enjoying ourselves today. Jim Deshaies at 940. Richard Justice, 1020. Boog Shambi at 1040. Um, before we get to JD, let's talk about... Uh, one of the most impressive athletic talents to hit MLB or Chicago in a long time, and he went deep again last night. We'll do that next. Keep listening and, uh, you know, text in 
as well. Feel free to text in at any point. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. It's 312-644-6767. Speaks and Leila Rahimi on Inside the Clubhouse, coming back on 670 The Score. I had a general manager tell me the other day that if he could take an everyday lineup for the future, the immediate future, he would take the White Sox. Scott, they just hit 27 homers in a seven-game span. No team in Major League history has ever done that. They are so young, so athletic, so explosive. If I'm watching one game tonight, no matter what, I'm watching the White Sox. All right, hold on. Hold on. There's a couple of things in there. That's Tim Kirkchin, by the way, uh, noted baseball lover, noted self-professed nerd, uh, a man who loves our game, Layla, as much as anybody loves our game and knows a lot about it and stays connected and enjoys himself. I think of him and like Jason Stark um, in the same in the same thought process, right? Dudes, you just absolutely love it. I've covered it forever. Remember everything and love to point out the the unique and the weird. And Kirkchin just said that not only did one GM tell him, this is from Scott Van Pelt last night on ESPN, not only did one GM tell him that if he's taking one lineup for the future, he's taking the White Sox, but Kirkchin himself says if there's one game he can watch at night, he's watching the White Sox. That's heady stuff right there. Uh, That's a compliment for sure, to say the absolute least. And I'm with you. I absolutely love Jason Stark's work and... His delivery, just from a broadcast perspective, is so classy. But Kirkjian's a seam head, and he doesn't watch just any team when he's when he's going to work every day. But why not? Sox 10-1 and one in their last 11 games. And, yeah, I'm going to throw out some stats because, let's face it, we can and they're worthy. But it's just been wild to see this lineup come together the way it has. And to do so, hitting top to bottom is, is also, to me, equally as appreciated as the heart of the lineup being what it is now. Oh, yeah. Well, no, top to bottom is, is the real deal. I mean, it, Ricky Renteria does some very weird things. Like Eloy Jimenez second <laughs> last night and Yohan Moncada sixth last night. But these guys can be so good that it they're, they're sort of Ricky-proof as, as a lineup, really. I mean, Eloy hits a two-run homer last night. Mancata happens to be the right guy at the right time and then has a fabulous at-bat with the bases loaded, a nine-pitch at-bat where he fouls off a whole bunch of stuff before getting the field and winning a big battle to put them ahead 5-4. So, yeah, top to bottom. When Danny Mendick, not Medwick, not Medwick, but Danny (laughs) Mendick. Yeah. Look, that was earlier this week. I'm convinced that was just a nod to the last National Leaguer to win the Triple Crown, Joe Ducky <laughs> Medwick of the St. Louis Cardinals Gas House Gang. I, I, it, I just think that's what it was. It just unfortunately fits the narrative that ESPN doesn't care about the White Sox. And it was such <laughs> nice commentary from Jeff Passan, who puts work into everything he does. And I'm like, oh, here's this nice graphic. Uh-huh. I'm going to read it. Oh, here they are talking about the light up. Wait, wait what? Uh-huh. And, uh. and that Danny Mendick um, retweeted it was, was hilarious. Like, you know, have some respect <laughs> when you say my name. Poor Danny Mendick. He lost his uh, Dancing for Dubs partner, Zach Collins. Although, did they do it last night via, like, FaceTime? Or, like, did they record a Zoom dancing now that Zach is in Schaumburg and he's not allowed to come to the ballpark? 
That's a really good question because you know there's one thing we all know about baseball players, and that is if something works, you're going to keep doing it. Yeah. So I have a feeling <laughs> that we, there might have been a secret dance for dubs that occurred. Mendick, by the way, I was reading this stat the other day. He sits... He's hit safely in 10 of his last 13 now. How about that? That's, that's crazy. That is that is absolutely crazy. Um, you, you know, the guy who, who we talk about the most uh, and, and on the White Sox, and, and with good reason because the level of athleticism and potential and the excitement is just massive, is Luis Robert, who homered again last night. And I want I want folks to hear the call from, um, from Jason Benetti and Steve Stone because – Stoney was um, was talking about something that he hopes Robert does, and he happened to do it in this at bat. By the way, Jim Deshays from uh, Marquee Sports Network coming up at 9:40 to talk Cubs. But this is Stoney Benetti last night on Luis Robert. I want to know if somebody asked you to explain Luis Robert in one sentence, what would your Luis Robert headline be? Unlimited potential. There is truly nothing he can't do. And when he starts to get confidence to take the first pitch on occasion, he's going to even be better. Luis drills this ball right field and God bring him home. Took the first pitch. He's going to be better. That's eight home runs, 19 driven in and astonishing power. On pitch number two. Luis Roberts. So he took one pitch before he did that. But how about Stoney calling it out? Like, yeah, take a pitch. You, you never know. Luis doesn't like to take too many pitches. That's. Uh, it, but but when he does, he can be better. I was looking this up, Layla. Just pure swing percentage. Okay, who swings the most and the least in all of baseball? Okay, thirty-three point eight percent is the lowest swing percentage number. That is Yasmani Grandal and Kevin Biggio of the Blue Jays. Those are the two guys who swing the least in all of baseball. Luis Robert, number one. Number one at 61%. He likes to swing an awful lot. So this is where he is. He's this good already in terms of his war and his production. And he's swinging all the time. He's swinging more than anybody in baseball. And he's already this good. It's pretty amazing. It is, and I think it just follows a pattern. I think we uh, happily are quick to forget about, say, Yohan Mankata's strikeout numbers, although he took a lot of pitches when he had those strikeout numbers the year before last. But for him, he's not afraid, and he's also learning who he is as a hitter. And we're seeing that pitch selection, by the way, which might not look as discriminating on paper as it might be in person, pay off. Because if you remember, Speaks, his early chart, when it came to hitting specific pitches, Mm -hmm. it did not matter what you were throwing at him. He was going to be able to make some contact legitimately and then do what he needed to do to get on base. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And uh, forgive me as I'm lost in in stats now because our our beloved fan graphs is now like I'm looking at the plate discipline stats. Oh no, we've uh, lost here. <laughs> contact percentage overall, the worst contact percentage in baseball. Luis Robert, third worst, fifty-eight point eight percent in terms of contact. 
There's oh, there's Javier Baez at fifth worst and Wilson Contreras at seventh worst, by the way. Uh, I, so, see, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, yeah, you, you see the combination. But so Luis doesn't make a ton of contact. When he does, ball go far. He swings an awful lot, but when he does and when he does hit it, ball go far. I, I, I don't know about you, but my impressions of Luis Robert so far in terms of his athleticism, it's not exactly what I expected. Like, I, I had heard a lot of different comps, like Eric Davis or Roberto Clemente or Ken Griffey Jr. I think those guys were more limber, more bendy, you know, in terms of their athleticism. Luis Robert is like a running back to me. Like, I feel like I'm looking at Herschel Walker or, or Bo Jackson, Yasiel Puig, Raul Mondesi, guys like that just super built. He's so thick and strong as well as fast. It doesn't, it's so it's, it's a really unique kind of athleticism. And we had so much fun hearing all those comps before the season began, but I feel like I'm a little bit more dialed in now. And I, and I go to Puig and Bo when I look at Luis Robert. Well, you see him every day. And then Ozzie Guillen, who doesn't like making comparisons of players to players, he talks about how unfair that can be for an individual, but he did say, I don't like comparing guys, but I, I think he reminds me of Andrew Jones. So that was Ozzy's comparison as far as Luis Robert was concerned. Mm. And he thinks he's going to fill out even more because he's so young. So then I'll be even more interested to see how that affects his swing. And also, thusly, his play in center, which I think has just been great to watch. That has it- been something that has made me happy to see. Just how he can man center field the way he does. Absolutely. In fact, on that play where Grandal allows the um, uh, allows the Abreu throw to go through the wickets and the tying run scores, Robert makes a hell of a play in the gap to keep that what should have been a single in first and third and keep that tying run from scoring on the play. And that he makes those kind of things look easy. And that's not easy to take the right route and get there and make the quick turn and the throw. No. Uh, by the way, Danny Mendick put up a poll last night on Twitter Do I keep dancing for dubs going? I need your help. I'll get me a fill-in if everyone thinks I should. Yes, keep it going. Got 89.4% of the vote. No, you need Zach. Got 10.6% of the vote. So uh, he's going to have to find himself a new partner. Coop? Coop, just keep doing the John Travolta Pulp Fiction thing, maybe? I mean, if it's working, it works, right? Coop's had a pretty good week as far as weeks go. You could definitely include Coop. Uh, yeah, we'll see if he, I would if expect he'd be to see. I would expect to see. Uh, I think like they've got some dancers on that team, that's for sure. So they can definitely include people. Cross the culture, man. Cross that. Cross that clubhouse and and be a be a bridge, Danny. Go get Eloy to do it. I want to see Eloy dance. Why, why well, wouldn't Eloy would... dance with him? That was one of the best parts of the Sox Fest event in January was, was I turn around after I was doing an interview and I noticed that an entire panel is just yelling at people to dance in the crowd. So <laughs> I think it was the Los White Sox panel. And I was laughing with Rick Renteria about it because I'm like, this is this is excellent. And he's like, what do you expect? Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous. bunch of guys who know how to dance. 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine is off this week. Layla Rahimi in for Bruce. I am Matt Spiegel. We'll come back and talk to Jim Deshays from Marquee Sports Network about the scuffling Cubs who maintain their first place position but have uh, 
shown some some offensive frailty. It's a really weird brand of offensive frailty, actually. We'll talk about it with J.D. next right here on 670 The Score. Back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. We are indeed back. We'll get to the trade deadline for the Cubs and Sox at the top of the hour. Richard Justice next hour. Boog Shambi next hour. But right now, let's go to the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park, and that's where we find Jim Deshays of the Marquee Sports Network, the color analyst for the Chicago Cubs. Jim, you're on with me, Matt Spiegel, and it's Layla Rahimi for Bruce Levine, who is off this week. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Matt and Layla. Great to be with you guys. Hope all is well. It is indeed. Um, now, you spoke to it right off the bat last night when Anthony Rizzo homered on the second pitch of the of the game, his first pitch. This kind of weird place where the Cubs are offensively overall, which is that they grind at bats with the best of them. They still lead Major League Baseball in pitches per plate appearance, but maybe they need to do that a little bit less, which is crazy because, like, you spend most of your time saying, have it bats like that and just pass it off to the next guy, but they seem to be maybe a little bit too patient at times. That's a really weird balance, a really weird brand of offensive struggles to have to figure out, Jim. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, and, it, it, and when I make that point, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because we honored the approach that they've had for so long. It's kind of been a calling card for this team in recent years, you know, the grind out at bats, see a lot of pitches, take a lot of walks. Um, but I also, you know, I, I've long argued that, you know, we overemphasize the long at bat as a quality at bat, you know, um, sometimes you get a pitch early and if you don't take advantage of it, your opportunity is lost. Uh, and I think a lot of it depends on the matchup, depends on the opposing pitcher, how he goes about trying to attack you. But it just seemed to me like, um, it was time for a, maybe a more aggressive approach, you know, try to attack early. Um, you know, the, the problem, and again, you know, walks generally are a good thing, but it's one base and then a ground ball could turn into a double play. The Cubs have done that a lot. Um, so, you know, if you don't have guys that can turn walks into doubles by stealing bases and you don't have the right guys to maybe play a little hit and run and create a little something with, with that approach, uh, sometimes, you know, um, they're never going to be counterproductive, but sometimes you're better off letting it fly and trying to hit the ball over the outfielder's heads. And I, and I, you know, I, I don't think uh, I'm not advocating a radical change in the game plan. I, I just think in certain situations, um, being a little more aggressive, um, it, it probably would pay off. Jim, Malley, of course, had an outstanding night on the mound as far as Cincinnati was concerned, and the Cubs pitching has been their bread and butter so far this season. Kyle Hendricks, I joked last night, might be a bit of an awkward combination with Cincinnati right now. Seems like that's where he's had a little bit of hard luck at Great American Ballpark, kind of like sugar and chili together. But when you think of Hendricks overall, how do you assess his performance so far this season? Because you talked about how he wasn't finding the spots that he needed to last night. Yeah, you know, he's had a couple, you know, subpar outings, but, um, you know, if you were just, tick off a list of worries about the Cubs. Hendricks would be way down near the bottom of the list. Um, yeah. He's the kind of guy that, you know, it's uh, if he has a bad outing, it's not generally going to impact him going forward. He's really good at 
self-evaluation and saying, okay, I needed to do this. I left that, but you know, you're not going to panic and freak out and turn a bad start into a stretch of bad starts. Um, but you're right. The Reds seem to have his numbers is, his numbers against Cincinnati, his career ERA against them is higher than any other club that he's, you know, seen a significant number of games against. Um, his first start over there this year, you know, was kind of muggy and he didn't have his curveball and he left some balls up. And that's kind of the story last night too, just location wasn't quite there. And, you know, the Reds have not been good offensively, but um, they were bound to turn it around to a certain degree that, you know, Suarez was hitting a buck something, uh, you know, Moustakas hasn't done a whole lot yet. Uh, it's a pretty good lineup. And I, I, you know, I figured they were going to turn it around sooner or later. Yeah, they've got it. And you, Suarez and Jesse Winker are both really hot right now. They've, they've got too many guys. I think you're right. I love that muggy. I don't know if I've ever heard a pitcher's performance called muggy. Is that, is that a reference to possible humidity keeping the ball up, or is it just just well, does just it feel yeah, muggy? When it's, when, it's, when it's muggy out and you you know your hands sweaty and you're having a hard time gripping the ball and sometimes you lose feel and you know, Hendricks is you know the ultimate feel pitcher whether it's change up and that curveball has been an improved offering for him. Um, you know when you when you lose touch um, and you don't throw 94, uh, that, that becomes problematic. Hey, Jim, um, Javier Baez, going into last night, had a six-game hitting streak. Um, and I, I think he was like eight for or, or six for 23 in that hitting streak or something like that. So he's had some moments. But w- what are you seeing from him? Do you see it being a little bit better than it was a week ago? It feels like it is to me in terms of him not breaking out the driver on every single swing, but still the results are not quite there as much as he'd like, of course. Yeah, it was ugly last night. Uh, four trips, four strikeouts, and, and some wild swings and, and big misses. And, and, and as Lila said, Mally was really good. Um, so that was clearly part of it. Um, but, you know, he, he had that two-home run game in Detroit. He had a change-up uh, the opposite way for a home run, hit a hanging breaking ball for a home run. Uh, for me, he, he's just his timing still isn't there. So, he, you know, he's still getting beat by fastballs in the strike zone. And, uh, you know, I'm not a hitting coach, so I don't know if it's a mechanical thing or, you know, just, to, you know, not getting started on time. Um, but, the, but the strikeout rate is up. You know, you, you go back to his, his um, you know, two seasons ago when he finished runner-up the MVP, um, he had cut down on his strikeouts. They're back up now. They're back you know, higher than they've been in a while. Uh, so too much, you know, too much swing and miss. And here's another weird one with Javi. Maybe as much as he swings, um, maybe there are times when he's not as aggressive in the strike zone. You know, when he gets a fastball early and he doesn't pull the trigger, uh, you know, he gets behind and then they start spinning that breaking ball off the outside corner and he can't lay off it. So, um, you know, his approach has always been, you know, I mean, he's going to swing his way out of it. He's not going to be a guy who's patient and takes a lot of walks. Um, so I, I figure, you know, you're right. There were some indications that he was starting to turn things around a little bit. Hopefully last night uh, doesn't derail that. Um, you just have to chalk that up to a bad night and an outstanding pitching performance, which is easy for me to say, but tougher for the guy who struck out all four times. That's, you know, you, you, you carry that home with you, man, and that's, you lose sleep. So, um, uh, you know, hopefully he, he's able to kind of turn the corner. The, the challenge, of course, is you've got to deal with Bauer today, and uh, that's, that's not easy. Yeah, J.D., you mentioned Bauer taking the hill for the Reds, but you Darvish is on the other side. 
And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like I've said it all season so far. I think his season this year is incredibly underrated given what he's doing. That buck 70 ERA in the top five in all of baseball. And I don't know that it's possible for us to acknowledge in the proper manner what he's put together so far this season. Yeah, like you know, his first one was kind of eh, you know, and uh, yeah. the last five, he's got a 109 ERA. Um, but it's not just this year. You know, last year, early June on, he was outstanding. The post-All-Star break numbers, the strikeout-walk ratio was historic, uh, and he's continued that. He's punching a bunch of people out. He's not walking anybody. Uh, he clearly has, you know, gotten into a rhythm with this cut fastball that he can throw for a strike pretty much any time he wants. Um, and he's got so many weapons. Um, I mean, this is this is this is the guy the Cubs thought they were getting when they when they signed him. You know, this, I don't know if they thought he would be this good, but but the, those early bumps in the road were alarming to everybody. But he has proven to be a, uh, just an outstanding uh, acquisition. And yeah, he's uh, you know top three in, in Cy Young consideration right now uh, at this point in the season. He, he's been outstanding. And that game he had against the White Sox after they you know, thumped the Cubs two games in a row uh, and kind of pushed their face down in the dirt. <clears throat> um, and he kind of, he, he was like the hero who came to the rescue and said, you know, jump on my back, boys, I got this. And he went out and dominated that Sox lineup that was as hot as anybody in baseball. So um, you, know, you talk about a stopper, and he's in the same situation here today, losing two out of three in Detroit, losing three in a row. They've won five of their last 15. Um, there, there's a, kind of a negative a vibe around this club right now, and he has a chance to go out against a very tough pitcher and an improving lineup, and and put the team on his shoulders and say, "I got it. Let me let me take care of you, fellas." So we'll see if he's able to pull it off. Yeah, um, another um, aspect about that start to me today, Jim, that's so important is it is a good measuring stick for Darvish because his ERA last year against the Reds was relatively high, 460. So I want to see how he faces this lineup. In a Cleveland ballpark, when if it's sunny and if it's nice outside, you know that ball is going to fly. Yeah, the ball jumps there, and and even last year when he was so good in the second half, he did you know give up his fair share of home runs. Uh, uh, you know, Winker is the guy for me that that's you know the, the left-handed guy with with power who's been hitting the ball with power to all fields. That, that's the, uh, the the confrontation to kind of focus on. Uh, I think Vada will be back in there today. Um, so, you know, I, I think the righties, he should be okay, you know, with, with, with Suarez and, and, and some of the other right-handed dangerous bats in the lineup. I think he's going to be fine. But, but Winker is the one. That's the one I'm kind of focusing on. All right, so in a non-COVID-19 environment, are you at Hathaway's getting breakfast right now? I heard you reference it last night. I've never been to Hathaway's in Cincinnati. But uh, would you be there now, and what would the order be? Jim. Well, I would be I would be at Hathaway's at least once on the, for the series. Um, I probably <laughs> would have been in there first day. Hathaway's is a, it's an old timey diner right across from the hotel where we used to stay. Um, you know, uh, ladies with the beehive hairdos, but, and they're not trying to they're not trying to affect the look. That's who they are. The beehive <laughs> lady. Uh, you know, they've they've been they've been pouring coffee and and, and flapjack there for like sixty years. You know, and they have names like Mabel and Hazel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just right in my wheelhouse. You, you know, gra- grab a stool at the counter with the morning paper, uh, kind of bitter coffee. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You got to make, you got to make one pilgrimage to Hathaway's. 
God, I hope it. I hope it survives. Those are the kind of places yeah. that I that I fear for in this moment. Some of them don't survive. So. Um, yeah, you're spot on, man. Yeah, man. Well, you know, support Hathaways uh, if you can, Cincinnatians who are listening, both of you. Jim, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it. You got it. Hey, good to be yeah. with you guys. Be well. Thank right. you, JD. That's Jim Deshays uh, from the Marquee Sports Network, right? I mean, that's those, those are the joints. My mom used to love those places. She used to call them crap holes, but she would say the actual <laughs> word, not crap. But she'd say, like, we must protect our crap holes. Uh, true on all fronts, by the way. Yes, right? <laughs> I, I, I will also say this, and you knew I was going to get this mention in. Yeah. You know you know where I come from. They say the higher your hair, the closer you are to God. So you leave those beehives alone. She's a Texas girl. Um, and uh, Richard Justice, a part of the Texas media mafia, will join us at 1020 <laughs> on Inside the Clubhouse. It's Layla Rahimi in for Bruce Levine. When we come back, the trade deadline approaches. The Sox already did something. Will they do more? What do the Cubs need? What will they do? And the weird circumstances of this trade deadline. We'll talk about that as backdrop for conversation next. Inside the Clubhouse continues on 670 to score. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.